0: Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the call me dad. This week we're going to be talking about the devil's advocate on your free will, it is a bitch podcast. I am Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter, at Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm at Matthew Vose Giveaway. We're doing giveaway. Let's remind everyone (laughs) about the giveaway. Um, At Matthew Vose slash Matthew Vose. Just look me up. Actually, yeah, that should be the intro. Hi, I'm Matthew Vose. Go Google Matthew Vose. Really, that's me, the one who comes up. That's what I look like. I wish.
0: Okay, (laughs) now I have to go Google Matthew Vose, because I don't know what that means. Oh. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's me 100 percent. that's me you just found
0: <laughs> you are on the screen though
1: yeah oh next I, I, to yeah generally come up in the first page
0: yeah yeah you're there um next to our cover for twilight so there's like black and white robert pattinson and then you and then cool. all these other pictures of a different matthew yes.
1: the okay the swimwear model <laughs>
0: the swimwear model yes <laughs> Good. All right. Giveaway.
1: Giveaway. Tell everybody what we're doing and what they can win. We are doing a giveaway. You can win swag, exciting, eloquent, gushing show merchandise, uh, stickers, a magnet, a coaster? A coaster. A coaster. There we
0: go. CD coaster.
1: Yep. yep. Um, that we are giving away. We are giving you up to 10 chances to enter, but you only have a few more days to be able to do so. You have to tweet about our shows. So share on social media, hey, I listen to Pop Culture Deprived, it's amazing, and use the hashtag PC Deprived, or talk about Across the Arrowverse, hashtag ATAV, talk about Worth the Calories, hashtag Worth the Calories, talk about Design Made Real, at Design Made Real, talk about Southern Fried Pop Culture, hashtag SF Pop.
0: Yes, you got them all.
1: Thank you. Um <laughs> Or do you want to share the other ways people can enter?
0: You can also winter... Winter. In
1: winter. That's in,
0: not a thing. In the county. You can also Camptons. enter <laughs> you can also enter our giveaway by leaving a review for one of our five shows or all of our five shows for each review that you leave in your app of choice, be it Apple Podcasts slash iTunes or Pocket Cast or Podbean, wherever you listen. Um, if you leave a review of our shows, screenshot it and send that to us to let us know that you have done so, you will get an entry for each show that you have left a review for. So total up to 10 entries. Up to ten, And then we will randomly choose uh, five folks. To win some new swag. Swag.
1: Exciting. So do that before the 14th of September? Yes. Is that what we said? Somewhere in there. Go go and listen to last week's episode. <laughs> the date that we said on that. <laughs> That's the date you haven't told us to enter. I'm sure, we I'm go. sure yep. it was mid-September. At some point, we will call a halt to it. You have 10 chances to enter. Um, make sure you share the review with us when you do so, so we can see it. We prefer good reviews. If you can, that would be amazing. Thank you very much. Um or drop us an email podcast at com. That'll do it. Is
0: that everything? That's everything. Good. All right. The devil's advocate.
1: So we can- Are you a devil's advocate? <laughs> the devil's advocar. He's got some nice sort of fruity fruity cocktails. Do you have advocar over there?
0: I don't know what that means. Okay.
1: Um So
0: maybe, but I'm yeah, I don't know. I
1: think it's like passion fruit liqueur uh no egg sugar and brandy traditional dutch alcoholic beverage made from egg sugar and brandy rich and creamy drink it's called it's spelled Advoca, a d v o c a a t so it's really funny the devil's advocate is drinking this nice sugar brandy egg thing okay <laughs> <laughs> sure
0: all right so the devil's advocate if you have not seen it if you're like me um, an attorney who never loses is offered the job of a lifetime in a New York firm, though he ends up having to compromise his morals to do so.
1: Interesting. We'll, we'll dig into that later. Yes. <laughs> this is us continuing Keanu Reeves' month. Happy birthday last week, Keanu. We, if you want to hear our thoughts on Keanu as an awesome, awesome person and Mandy's experience of him in the past, go and listen to our Point Break episode. But now we're firmly in his 90s career. Mm-hmm. And it's Keanu Reeves, an actor you like. Yes. So how come you've never seen The Devil's Advocate?
0: Okay. So this movie was released the same day as I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is a movie that I was very firmly in the target demographic for. Right. So that's what I was watching. Okay. 14-year-old Mandy had absolutely no interest in watching a lawyer movie with Al Pacino in it. <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen. So
1: that's... Is I knew What You Did yeah. Last Summer Sarah Michelle Gellar thing?
0: She is in it, yes, but Jennifer Love Hewitt was the main character. Sarah Michelle Gellar died. Yes. Spoilers, sorry, (laughs) for a 20-something-year-old movie.
1: Tweet at us your favorite things where Sarah Michelle Gellar doesn't die. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Um... Uh, Yeah, okay. Because I died twice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. The Devil's Advocate is a 1997 supernatural film loosely based on the 1990 novel of the same name by Andrew Niederman. It stars Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino, and Charlize Theron. Niederman approached Warner Brothers about adapting his novel and claims he sold it by summarizing it as being about a law firm in New York that represents only guilty people and never loses. It was almost a very different movie with Joel Schumacher and Brad Pitt planning it, but it fell through with no one on board to play the devil. So eventually it ended up with Taylor Hackford directing and Tony Gilroy rewriting. Before finally accepting it, Pacino had been offered and declined the role of the devil in three different adaptations of the novel because he thought the character was too cliched. Keanu Reeves chose the devil's advocate over appearing in Speed 2, despite the higher paycheck the action film would have afforded him. He further lowered his salary by a few million to ensure that the film could afford Pacino. The movie opened number two at the box office behind I Know What You Did Last Summer. By the end of its run, it had brought in $153 million against a $57 million budget.
1: I'm trying to look up what rating it got in the U.S. Uh, Oh, there's a parent's guide section on IMDb. That's interesting. Rated R. So is that like 18, 18 and above?
0: No, it's 17. Uh, you have to be 17. 17, okay. Um, if you're unaccompanied, like you can go see it with a, a guardian.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay,
0: um, but you can't see it by yourself unless you're seventeen. Okay, so. um, it's in C seventeen. That's the one where you have to be right. Like nobody is allowed in unless you're that age or higher. Okay. So,
1: and is it that most movies want to be R so that potentially they could get the younger demographic?
0: Yeah, it's very rare that a movie is actually released at NC-17. Okay, here. interesting.
1: I've been thinking a lot about censorship I'm listening to the BBFC stuff about it. So. Okay, o- Over here it was rated 18, which is you've got to be 18 to see it. Okay. Yeah. Like I-, I talked about Die Hard 3 and I didn't get in because it was a 15 and I was 14. Right. And stupidly right. told him I was 14 because there's <laughs> no way to prove you're not. You can't <laughs> cut, open and count the rings or something. Um <laughs>
0: All right, Matthew, how did you watch The Devil's Advocate?
1: I had to buy the DVD for this one. Really? Yes, and I bought it from stock. So I've had to buy several DVDs for Keanu Month and coming up Vampire Month. Um, so I bought a, a whole stack off one shop on eBay. I got just the DVD.
0: Oh, wow, <laughs> No really? box
1: or anything. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, thanks. I mean, fine, but... <laughs>
0: Um, I was able to rent it on Amazon. Okay, nice. It's not available in any of the streaming services, like subscription-based, but you can mm. rent it everywhere. It's on Vudu, Google Play, Amazon, YouTube.
1: Right. This, this is one that comes up on TV fairly regularly, so okay. I dare say people will be able to find it at some point.
0: Yeah, I, I saw something... In one of the reviews when I was Googling The Devil's Advocate after I watched it, somebody had said, if the only version of this movie that you've ever seen is the one that they show on TNT, then you're missing out. (laughs) And after having seen the version I saw, I think I understand mostly because there was probably very little nudity in the TNT version. And there's a lot of nudity in this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oddly enough.
1: Um, Okay, so uh, we've talked about Keanu on separate uh, last week's episode, so we've covered him. What's your experience of the director, Hackford, and then Al Pacino and Charlize Theron?
0: I didn't know the director's name before, like I'd never heard it, but I looked up his filmography, and I have actually seen Dolores Claiborne, Ah. which he directed, and he also worked with Tony Gilroy on that one. Tony Gilroy did that screenplay as well. Um, Okay. Which is an adaptation of a Stephen King novel, I think.
1: Right. Yeah, he's he's quite a prolific director actually. Um, mm-hmm. in in the eighties, nineties particularly, but most famous for, An Officer and a Gentleman, and then Ray. But he also did the um, uh, the I think it's actually a documentary when we were kings about Muhammad Ali. Okay. So.
0: Ray, is that the Charles Ray movie with Jamie Foxx? Mm. I think I saw that. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember seeing it in the list. I think I did actually see that one too. Right. Um, but yeah, his, his filmography is very large and I just, mm. it's it's a, a style of movie that I'm not really mm, interested in is probably the yeah. wrong word, but no, I'm very culturally deprived in. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Maybe. <laughs> um, we've previously talked about Al Pacino and I've only seen him in movies that we've done on the show now, um, the Godfather trilogy and Heat. <laughs> Um, Charlize Theron not as much as you would expect honestly given Ooh. how big of a star she has become. Um, I think her first movie was That Thing You Do, which I love. Um, I have seen The Cider House Rules, but I don't remember anything about it except for Tobey Maguire crying. Okay. Um, The Legend of Bagger Vance, Sweet November, The Italian Job was wonderful. Most recently, I saw her in Snow White and the Huntsman, and then she did that one episode of The Orville.
1: Yes, she did, absolutely.
0: So, Nothing, none of her more recent stuff. Like, I really want to see Atomic Blonde, but I haven't seen it.
1: Okay. I didn't enjoy Atomic Blonde. Oh, okay. Yeah, it All was
0: right.
1: gritty. What did you mention there? The Italian Job. Have you seen the original Italian Job? No. Ah, interesting. That, I don't that, think I knew there was. That would, that would be an interesting comparison. It is a very, very classic cult hit. Um, The film that okay. made the mini famous. So... Mm, mm, that could be an interesting one. I think Charlize Theron, I've only really seen her bad films, except for Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. And and it's almost like looking at her filmography, I was like, oh, she was in that, wasn't she? And she's phenomenal in that. But then I've seen things like Snow White and the Huntsman and <laughs> Prometheus and Eon Flux. Eon Flux, I adore. It's one of the great animes of all time. Mm-hmm. In my, yeah, I think it's a Western cartoon, so it's not even anime, but sort of adult animated fair. And then they made this live action thing that's just weak.
0: I haven't seen it, but I remember the trailer stuck with me because that's the one that has the scene of her almost falling on the grass that's actually like blades, yeah. right? Mm. And she has to stop like right before she hits it. That's all I remember from right. the trailer, but that's what I think of when I hear Eon Flux. Okay. So.
1: Yeah, that right. was very disappointing. point. Yeah, I'm just looking at this like, She's got one or two standouts, you know, Monster, her big hit. Yeah,
0: I haven't seen that one. I mm, want to, but I never did.
1: Um, but then there's just a lot of bad choices in there, like Fast and Furious Eight, Snow White, Snow White, Fast and Furious Eight, which was a disappointment Mm. compared to the few that come before that. She's in the new Adams family, which I'm very worried about.
0: It's animated, though, right?
1: It's animated, and the advertising looks like it's for the cool, hip YouTube generation. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We always talk about your experience as similar material. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about this as a 90s film. And there are okay. some 90s films I can compare this to, particularly End of Days and Stigmata. And then there's mm-hmm. another film which I think was also 90s, but is very similar to this in some ways, which is John Grisham's The Firm. Have you seen any of those three?
0: I've seen Stigmata. I have not seen either of the others. I think The Firm is on our list, or it's supposed to be, because that's a Tom Cruise movie I haven't seen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. End of Days, I remember when it came out, and I remember being interested in it, partly because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and partly because the girl who's in it is the girl from... The craft. Okay. And I always wanted to see it because I really liked her at that point, but then I never saw it.
1: Okay. <laughs> I um failed, who, I guess. Stigmata
0: I've seen dozens of times.
1: Robin Tunney? Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: She's also an Empire Records. She
1: is also an Empire Records. I don't think I've seen The Craft.
0: We need to do that on the show then. Possibly so. At some point. No, there's no possibly about it.
1: Like, <laughs> it's so
0: good. It's so 90s. Like, it is absolutely so 90s teen movie, but it is okay. so good.
1: Oh, End of Days has got Kevin Pollock in it. We need to do it. We need to do it this year. This year is Kevin Pollock's year. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah, there is this weird thing, and I guess it's partially... To do with Hollywood suddenly being able to do slightly different fare, getting into this sort of gritty spiritual stuff, having the special effects to support it, and the oncoming millennium, end of the millennium, mm-hmm. new yeah. millennium, that right. got them into this whole, like, let's do stuff about the devil and the war with heaven. And, and there just seem to be several films around this time. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. Those other two are there as well. And The Firm is kind of this film. But without the spiritual stuff.
0: Interesting. Okay. So,
1: mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. I I I'm very pleased the firm is on the list because I would look forward to watching that. Okay. I remember it being. I good. will
0: make sure it's actually like physically on the list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So the Devil's Advocate. <laughs> Did you enjoy the Devil's Advocate?
0: You know, honestly, I'm still not sure. Okay. I I don't I don't know how I feel about this movie. Okay. It was an experience watching it, let me tell you. Right. Um. I didn't know what this movie was about. I think the the first thing I wrote in my Thoughts Doc is literally the only thing I know about this movie is it has Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino in it. Mm. I was mistakenly under the impression that the devil part was a metaphor and that it wasn't supernatural in nature. Okay. Um. Although I went and watched the trailer before we started recording and realized That's totally my bad. They were not hiding that or keeping that to their chest at all. Um, The the scene where he sticks his finger in the holy water and it boils is in the trailer. Mm. So, yeah, it's just my fault, my own ignorance of not knowing what this movie was about. And so that set me up for a very different movie, I think. And so this movie ended up, from my perspective, it took a hard left into Crazy Town. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just kept going.
1: So, <laughs> so were you like, wait, actual Satan?
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, I figured it out pretty fairly early on. Okay. Um, but f- from the start, I wasn't sure that's what it was going to be about. But then okay. that's where we ended up with it. And some of the choices they made in the movie just don't make sense to me even still. Okay. But I had a very, very visceral re- visceral reaction to the ending. mm so I think the movie accomplished what it was trying to do okay, in okay. evoking an emotion, no. but I still just don't know if I enjoyed it or not. Like, okay. I don't know if I would watch it again. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was
1: weird. Do you want to start at the end? Should we, should we unpack that? Because that is clearly a big thing for you.
0: <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I'm curious. Um, what What did the ending mean to you? Like... Joseph and I have very different interpretations on what the movie was trying to tell us. So how did you read that whole thing? Well,
1: can you elaborate more? Because I, I think there's sort of three movements to the ending. There is okay the, the revelation that John Milton is his father and is Satan. And he has a half-sister that he wants to <laughs> have a child with to create the Antichrist. Okay, the ignoring ending. that part. Okay. Not that part. I think what you're talking about is probably the next bit, which is... He decides to shoot him, uh, our hero, Keanu Reeves, shoots himself in the head to stop, um, to to stop the possibility of the Antichrist coming to Earth. And then there's the actual ending, which is it was all a dream, and he's now back at the beginning of the film, but the devil is still there tempting him.
0: Hmm. Yes. Which more of those- so the more so the, the final the final reveal where we realize um he gets a chance, he gets a do over, and okay. he makes a different choice. Right so that the events of the movie end up not happening, but he still falls prey to vanity.
1: Okay. Got it. So
0: is this to you, is it like an indictment of free will? Or is this a statement on human nature that we are who we are? And even if we make different choices in life, fundamentally, we are still the same inside and we're still motivated motivated by the same things? Like, what does this movie say? Like, what does it mean?
1: I I think – and this is, this is a movie I think I can fix really easily. I think this is the fact the movie has missed probably 20 minutes of dialogue and, and elements that, that it, it could have easily replaced some of the other plots with. Because it never gives you a moral of, but man can be good. All the film is showing us the worst. The work of the devil, in inverted commas, that, uh, you know, people do bad things and bad people support bad people in doing bad things and and get rich off it and get powerful off it. And Kevin... <laughs> and just as a side, I loved that he was called Kevin because all <laughs> it kept making me think was, my brother's name is Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> From the Twilight Badlift. Right. There's a bit where someone even says, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) There's, Kevin makes that choice at the end to, to, to commit suicide because he doesn't want to help the devil. Mm -hmm. Even though, uh, and they don't go into this, but committing suicide means he can't go into heaven because he has taken a life. But he still makes that choice to stop the devil. Fine. So he's making a, again, in inverted commas, good choice. To okay. stop evil works, but the film has never, at, up to that point, I think, said and people should be good. You should help your fellow man. You shouldn't take your money. You should do pro bono. There was there was a line in there about I don't see much pro bono in your in pro bono work in your future.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: would have l- liked something there. Like, no, I believe in pro bono. I want to help people as much as I want to help criminals get off this thing. I feel we should be giving back. I I feel like th- this film would be stronger if it made the argument against the devil. But this this film is in the devil's point of view, frankly. So, the ending of it is where this could be done so strongly. Because the point is, it's not that you make a dramatic good choice. And again, in inverted commas, good choice. You don't make it once, and then you're good. You have to make it every day. It is a struggle. It There are temptations by the devil every day to be vain, to lust to seek power to go against necessarily the moral choice and Kevin has to make that choice every day because the devil will keep tempting him and we are Mm -hmm. directly shown the devil tempting him through his most evident deadly sin
0: right right okay
1: so that's what I think it's it's showing us but the film has never ever given (laughs) us a discussion of you have to choose to be good because it's so easy to go down the dark follow the dark side and you know quicker easier is that path
0: interesting i i didn't even think of i didn't pick up from this movie that it's about good versus evil at all right like i it didn't feel to me like that was an argument the movie was even trying to make or wanting to make
1: okay interesting that that might be my baggage then for what i expect from a film that has the devil in it
0: right yeah right so. possibly um I feel like so Joseph thinks this movie is completely saying that there's no such thing as free will. Okay. That the journey doesn't matter because the destination is already set. Okay. That's what he kept saying to me yesterday. And I disagree with that. I think don't worry about the (laughs) vows. I think that the movie is definitely saying that you have free will, but part of dealing with free will is dealing with your own fundamental nature. Because he does make the choice. Like, he chooses to kill himself, Mm -hmm. to stop the devil. He chooses then to make a different choice so that he doesn't follow that path. But he's still still the same Kevin. And so he still wants to be the rock star. He still wants to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he still has to deal with that same temptation. Mm. And so just because he can choose... To, you know, not let the child molester go free, he yeah. can make that choice and not go down that path, doesn't mean that he can choose
1: not to be who he is. Mm.
0: That's kind of what I was getting from the movie. Yeah.
1: And and yeah, I do like, I, I like that read because you're, I think you're right that the film is about free will. Whether it's about that free will exists or not. I'm not totally sure because I don't mm-hmm. think it's saying I, – I think the film is actually saying free will exists because yes. the point is Satan needed him to choose to have sex with his half-sister and birth the Antichrist. <laughs> make a baby, yeah. It, yeah, if it was forced, it wouldn't work. Right. Whatever, yeah. whatever it wouldn't work means, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't work. Right. Um, so I think it is saying, yeah – that, that there's free will, but the whole do-over thing is a little strange.
0: Yeah, I, oh God, that threw me for an absolute loop. <laughs> I was shouting at the television, like absolutely what just happened. Are you kidding me right now? And so, I mean, it evoked a very strong reaction from me, which I think is what right. they were trying to do. But I honestly think the movie would have been better if he had chosen to side with Milton. Okay. And I, I'm i having a hard time articulating why I think that. Mm. I think it's because the do-over with him choosing to go down a different path but then still being tempted muddies that message a little bit. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he had made the choice to join Milton – That's a much clearer indicator of actual free will because Mm -hmm. we know that he knows what's at stake. He knows the two options and he still chooses to continue to be the vain man, the rock star who never loses. Mm. And I feel like by going the way that they went, they muddy the waters. They lessen the impact of his choice Mm -hmm. a little bit because they're trying to do the right thing. Quote, unquote, wait, what do you say? Inverted commas. (laughs) You know, they're trying to maybe appease the audience by having him choose to be good. Mm. I don't know. It felt contrived. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it felt contrived. And I wanted him to choose to be a villain. Although villain's not really the right word for it, but... No,
1: it's interesting. Like, I'm not sure how you could have a Hollywood movie getting someone to choose to make the deal with the devil. Right. At the end of it, you know?
0: I think it would have been a better movie if it had. It would
1: have been interesting. I I was going to say a thing that perhaps it goes back too far. The fact that it it goes all the way back to the beginning of the film. But actually, I think that is the right choice. Certainly for for whatever they achieve and whatever they do with it, I think it's the right choice because that's the first time we see him compromise his moral moral choice. Mm-hmm. center, whatever. Right. That he clearly knows the guy is guilty, but he still decides to take down the 15-year-old girl accusing this guy of molesting her.
0: Oh, God, that was so hard to watch. It's
1: very hard to watch, which we're definitely going to talk about in a minute. Um, So seeing him choosing that because, uh, and, uh, you know, they talk about vanity. It's pride. I think he does not want to lose, is his mm-hmm. point. He does not want to be the one who you know is like every other lawyer he's better than all of them right so by going back to that and seeing him making a different choice that's good that that i think works but it's not that. like i say i I don't I, i and the film doesn't elaborate on this it doesn't actually say this is a thing but it's not that you can choose to do one good thing and then you are free of the devil forever Right It's right. the small incremental steps, the good intentions that lead you to hell, but actually, yes, I oh yes, if there was a, a newspaper article, maybe yes, that would help other people make good moral choices, and mm-hmm. that leads him further and further into a vain life, yeah, so
0: now, I actually had a moment of wondering if that newspaper reporter was actually going to be the other side of the coin, and if that was going to be God.
1: Nice. Because
0: he was all, you know, he was happy and cheery and he was dressed in like a lighter colored suit and Mm. all of that stuff. And so I was like, okay, so now he's been tempted by the devil and he has made the right choice and he's come back. Is he going to be further tested now by God to see if he's going to maintain it? But then it turned out it was actually still Milton, so.
1: Okay. Yeah. Or or at least a Gabriel, because you can't have it be God. Yeah. Yeah. Because God is a, a different creature as well. It is about his agents and lucifer was one of his agents that's why lucifer Mm -hmm. can come to earth but god can't right i always take that as the headcanon for why it has to be the devil and angels it can't be
0: no i think you're right i've never really thought about it that way because they're not equal no the devil is not. we portray them as equal but exactly yeah yeah
1: yeah um and actually you reminded me of course again 90s films about this subject there is dogma because you also have the metatron that's John. Alan yeah, McMahon coming and being the, you know, agent of God about the angels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So that's the ending. Because you talked about a, a lot of different things in this. You, you you talked about the ending really standing out for you. I, I was particularly interested in that thing about not knowing it was the devil. Mm-hmm. Now, I went into this, certainly when I first watched this, which must have been around the time it came out. Didn't see it at the cinema, but I think I saw it on TV or something. I went into this watching it going, it's the devil. Mm-hmm. And watching it this time, I went into it going, it's the devil. And, and feeling slightly uncomfortable, which would, again, we're going to definitely come to that in a bit. Um, but when I sent you a message saying, I'm a bit uncomfortable watching this film, when are you going to watch this? Because I was, I was a little worried you might watch this and be really uncomfortable, at which point I'd say, hey, let's move Constantine up a week and then, oh. <laughs> and then like, find another film to slot in or something. Okay. Because I, 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 And we've never had to do that, but mm-hmm. I could have seen it, you just going like, no, this is, no. Mm-hmm. There, there were bits in this. But you made a comment to me about, like, the only thing I know about this is it's got Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves in it. Yes. You, there was no hint you knew this was had spiritual elements, it had mm-hmm. s- satanic, antichrist things going on with it. And it no. started making me think, like, does the film actually not want us to know that? And I started watching it without, and I was probably only halfway through. Was it the bit where they were trying to defend Cullen? So we have mm-hmm. another Cullen in this film. Um, uh, when when they started dealing with him and interviewing him and his secretary and so on, the the trailer aside, and we've talked elsewhere about trailers betraying their own film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sweetest thing, the trailer for the sweetest thing is not a trailer for the sweetest thing. Right. That that film does not exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think this film doesn't want you to know it's Satan. I think it wants to build up to that reveal. And I actually think you watching it in that mindset is what the film wants. I think it wants you to go in and be like, oh, there's something a bit shady about him, but he's also very charismatic and
0: mm-hmm.
1: all of this sort of thing. And then finding it out when you get to the end. And I think that feeling of discomfort is perhaps meant to be there for it. So so was there a point where you realized that it was Satan?
0: I think that's a good question. I'm not sure. Let me look at my thought stock and see if I made a note. Because
1: mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure it was the holy water.
0: No, no, it was before that. Okay. I mean, that was when the movie tells you yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but it was, after, it was after the party... For sure. And then...
1: Because, yeah, the stuff with hmm. Charlize Theron seeing people is possibly implied to be Charlize Theron is not entirely stable. Not yeah. Charlie's no, Theron. No, I think... Her character. Marianne? Right, her character. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I think it really is in the church when the holy water... Oils. Okay, okay. I think that that's whenever he fully embraces the character right. as the devil. Mm-hmm. The way he's acting in the church, the way he's posturing, the way he's like teasing at all of the the paintings and the mm-hmm. murals and then he's like teasing the holy water before he touches it. That's when you know for sure. Yeah. You know, before that everything that we had seen was from Marianne's perspective mm-hmm. when she was seeing the the faces transform into demons and mm. things like that. And she's an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so it's unclear what's happening in that moment. Is she hallucinating? Is she drugged? What's like – it doesn't come across as real because mm. even the audience is made to believe that she is just completely off her rocker. And so you don't know. Like you, you know that there's something – miss that there's something weird going on but it's mm. not super clear that he is literally the devil until the movie just outright tells you that i mean they don't yeah. tell you his name until the end but no. who else is gonna make holy water yeah, boil yeah.
1: right there's the bit with the managing director guy getting killed by the possibly invisible homeless people
0: right but, but, but again, even that is, is
1: not uh, it's it's a little subtle which is quite nice
0: well, yeah. And so in that moment, though, because the people who kill him are not the same people who were invisible.
1: Oh, were they not? No, because okay. it was
0: like th- just three normal people, random normal people running okay. that he kept looking back and then they weren't there and then they were there. Right. And then it was the two homeless people who turned into the weird of course, yeah, faces. Yeah. Mm. Um, But we were also kind of seeing that from Marianne's perspective, too. And so that could have just mm. been her seeing them and not necessarily actually demons. Mm. Um, Although the way they juxtaposed it with Pacino telling the story about Eddie Mm -hmm. did very much make it appear as if he was making it happen. Yeah. But Uh, Milton never actually made anything happen in this movie. He opened doors, but he didn't actually do anything.
1: I I think the FBI dude being killed... I think that is Milton. I don't. No? You think that's just... I don't.
0: Absolutely not. If you watch that scene, he crosses the street in New York without even looking to see if there's traffic coming. He steps in front of that car.
1: Okay. It's, it's the heavy element of convenience to it. Maybe. Pe- perhaps it's just the influence of the devil wanting bad things to happen. So wanting people to mm-hmm. drive recklessly, wanting homeless people to mug a guy mm-hmm. and bash his head in.
0: Yeah, yeah. maybe.
1: mmm. Hmm. Hmm. Um, let's talk a bit on the discomfort. No, actually, no. Let, let's finish that about the devil. So he, yeah, I think the film doesn't want you to know that he's the devil, and I think it actually has hurt my watching of it because I'm watching, going a little uncomfortable about this. But that's because the film is trying to make you a bit uncomfortable. I think. Yes. I think to imply like there's some bad stuff going on here. So I, I was very uncomfortable in the beginning, and I think part of that is the age of the film. But also the film wants you to be uncomfortable because he is taking down a 15-year-old girl who the film heavily implies has been molested.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In fact, I think it does that say she has been molested. And the point of her getting other people to lie about them having been touched by this teacher is because she didn't want to be the only one who it had happened to.
0: Right. That was a tough, tough scene to watch.
1: Uh, but I think, looking back on it, it's right because it is such a... Oh, holy crap. You know, this is dark, serious stuff. He has made a choice to do this thing, and this is not the right choice. This is not the good thing he should be doing. Right. So
0: I had hope for a minute, though. The movie gives you hope because he gets so upset when he realizes. Mm. Because he genuinely believes his client is innocent. Mm -hmm. Until that moment when he sees how he's reacting to her testimony. Yeah. And then he understands, and he just becomes so violently angry Mm. like he has to walk away and you think maybe maybe he's gonna make the right choice but then he comes back and he does his job Mm. and then you start to realize oh he's just really really good at his job like what does this mean about him as a human being Mm. really Mm. and the movie doesn't really explore that in that moment it doesn't explore that at all until the end when it does the redo right absolutely um, because up until that point, you you see him making choices that are professional, maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe the right word? Because he he is, I mean, it is a defense attorney's job to defend their client, even if they know they're guilty. Like, that's what they're there for. You have public defenders who are appointed to defend people in court who may or may not be innocent or guilty, but even if they are, their job is to do that thing, right? And so he is choosing to do that thing. On top of that, he is also choosing, though, to go in the direction where he knows he has to defend people who are guilty. Mm. And so that's when you really start thinking, is he a good person or is he a bad person? Mm -hmm. Is he being like – the progression of Kevin's character in the movie – was interesting to watch. It was very subtle. The way he dressed, the way he looked, the way he spoke, Mm -hmm. his temper started becoming more and more unhinged. Yeah. Like, in the beginning of the movie, he was kind, so lovey-dovey with Marianne. Like, he was a gentle soul. Mm. And by the end of it, he was not. No. At all. Like, he was willing to do whatever it took Mm -hmm. to do the job even if that meant ignoring his wife and her increasing increasing mental instability Mm. and the kevin from the beginning of the movie would never have done that
1: yeah there there is a really nice touch you talk about the way he dresses his Mm -hmm. suits get darker as the as the film goes on Mm -hmm. so he starts off in this sort of very very floridian sort of you know cream suit Right, And as it goes on, he moves into a darker gray, a darker gray, a darker gray. And at the end, he's in a black suit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not the most subtle touch necessarily, but but nice. This I is honestly didn't notice. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, it, I didn't pick up on that. I picked up on, like, he was wearing his hair differently and things mm-hmm. like that. But I didn't pick up on the clothes. Partly because I think in my brain, it made sense. Because the light-colored suit in Florida, the dark-colored suit in New York, like, yep statusly like socially not it's, socially but like environmentally yeah, it just made it's, sense it's
1: a very stereotypical thing isn't it so the yeah. sort of light colored linen suits in the south and
0: mm-hmm. yeah. but it it is a nice touch whenever you think about mm-hmm. it from that perspective
1: if i think it's a very like to kill a mockingbird type thing yes got that sort of louisiana you know yeah mm-hmm. um where were we going with that so that that opening scene I think it's right to be uncomfortable because he is making a bad moral choice. And so we're supposed to feel uncomfortable with it. The fact that you then have this businessman later on in the film who is clearly a powerful business magnate in New York. Who is sleeping around, who is on his third wife or something, is accused of murdering his wife and her son, I think. Her stepson. it's, It's a bit unclear who. Um, and he then goes to interview him. And this guy, th- where they set the interview, is in this very gaudy, very guilted ab- apartment. The reading about it was Donald Trump's apartment.
0: Yes. See, I didn't know that when I watched the movie. I no. found that out afterwards. So it, I had no feelings about it while watching the movie.
1: I, I, think, I think I was reading it as I was watching it. Okay. Because I'd seen it before. So I was reading the production notes as I was watching. I was like... Oh, this is a little uncomfortable because they are drawing parallels here.
0: Yeah, well, that certainly didn't age well, did it? No. Uh... <laughs> I have to be honest, though i I didn't know or understand that Cullen was guilty from the beginning. Right. Like I believed that there was a possibility that he was innocent, mm-hmm. and and so in that scene in sat in Donald Trump's apartment, I was still in that, oh, he's he could be telling the truth here because he he was a good actor. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't mean T. Nelson Nelson was a good actor. Craig T Nelson is an amazing (laughs) actor, but he played Cullen as a good actor. You know, his reactions and and you know, the emotions that he presented when he was talking about finding his wife's body and all of that stuff. You know, I believed there was a possibility he could have been innocent. And it didn't occur to me until the end that, oh, he's Milton's client. Of course he's guilty. Right. Like that. Yeah. Just I wasn't thinking of it from the perspective of the way the author intended. Like like his synopsis was every client is guilty, but they still always win. Yep. Like I wasn't thinking about it from that perspective, although in hindsight, that's super obvious. Mm.
1: And it's a, it's an interesting take on it because you absolutely can read that he's innocent. You can. Uh, and I love that it then becomes more twisted with the, oh, I'm sleeping with my secretary. But we can't tell anyone. Oh, no, we have to tell people because that's what I was doing when she died. And then it seems they weren't actually sleeping together. Right. But this is the way they're going to win. They've set up this thing behind Kevin's back that Kevin is then going to use as the defense. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't think they ever necessarily answer and say who is lying and who isn't. And that's great. That's an interesting thread on this. They are all amoral. Very devious people. Yes. Mm. In Donald Trump's apartment. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Um. <laughs> Goodness. Mm. Were you as uncomfortable as I was worried you were going to be? And do you think it was intentional?
0: I was really only uncomfortable in that opening scene. Okay. Because she was a child. Mm. She'd been abused. And he took her down. Yeah. You know, he, he made... He, In an open courtroom, he made her not credible Mm -hmm. for this thing that had happened to her in front of the man that he knew had done it. Yeah. And so that that was the only thing that made me uncomfortable. After that, everything else was just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe uncomfortable is still the right word, but it was a completely different level. Yeah. Okay. You know, there were things that. I certainly wouldn't want to experience myself and I felt mm-hmm. bad watching other people right. on screen experience them. But it wasn't, oh, I don't want to be watching this.
1: Mm.
0: Like okay. it was in the beginning. Okay. But it- I do absolutely think it's intentional. Mm. They had to like one of my first thoughts was, wow, this movie's opening with a, a child abuse case, like a sexual abuse case. That's that's making a statement. Yeah. And then it absolutely was.
1: Uh, and is part of this that because it opens with such a strong situation that should make you uncomfortable in every direction Mm -hmm. there's not much it can follow up that's worse so and any of the things that follow it perhaps like you know the death of Barzoon, the death of the fbi agent the stuff that happens to mary we could have gone like oh wow this has gone to some places but because it starts off at such a dark place dark Mm -hmm. place that perhaps you feel okay it, it can't get any worse from there
0: Maybe. Mm. Yeah, actually I think I think that's pretty accurate. Like you get this feeling of once that scene is over, there's a sense of relief that you're out of yeah. it and you're not having to deal with that anymore. And then everything else is just okay, it's bad, but it's not that bad. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, uh, segwaying a little bit. I'm going to segue into Maryam. And let's Okay, yeah, no, we need to talk about her yeah. for sure. Um but, but the, the segue through to that is also saying some of the discomfort is that we we talk about the male gaze quite often and films having the male gaze. So this is presenting women for the lascivious nature of men. I have n- mm-hmm. no idea what the proper description of it is, but showing women so it shows... help. Is there a, is there a good way for me to describe what the male gaze is as presented <laughs> on screen without... <laughs> Indicting myself um as a man, <laughs> you know,
0: <clears throat> oh, Matthew. no, you're absolutely right. But I think I don't condemn this movie for it, okay, in this case, because I think, I mean, this movie is about the devil from the perspective of the devil. You know, it's about temptation. It's mm. about it's about all of those things. and And so they fit into the narrative, I think.
1: I feel like Connie Nilsson being naked for most of the ending is the male gaze. I don't think that was necessary. There was no point in that where she needs to be naked.
0: But she was trying to seduce Kevin.
1: Yeah. And being when naked. She told is not them the to way. shut up. <laughs> God's <on, sorry. laughs> up.
0: I mean, she told them both to shut up. They were talking too much so that she could do her job, which yeah. was to get Kevin to impregnate her. Mm-hmm you know, her brother to impregnate her. God, that
1: was <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. so bad. Um,
0: you know, and so it it didn't bother me.
1: I, I think it's the assumption that her being naked is the way to seduce him. And, and, you know, there is a sex scene in the middle, at least one, which is between Keanu and Charlize, Charlize Theron and Keanu and Connie Nielsen. Yes. Interchangeably. That was- so that's a whole thing. But again, the way it's shot is she's naked he's not we're going to show you as much of her as we can mm. yeah and it's yeah that's true. I, I, I think that's what i'm talking about uh, uh when i think about the male gaze is some of it is you know gal gadot climbing ladders and go, right. going around in, in underwear and things like that but it's also just the way the women are presented where the men are not um and and you don't have to shoot it in that way and i i feel like again this is another thing of the film is a very 90s film um yes. it's it's that sort of thing but that brings us into charlie ston <laughs> and mary
0: yeah
1: i feel like if i'm talking about the this film can be fixed through giving us a moral center some way of talking about making good choices and people trying to be good i feel like she's the missed opportunity because she Utterly is is written poorly.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um her performance was spectacular. Mm. She did amazing things with what she was given. But as a whole, I felt like the character was flat, lifeless, and empty. Mm-hmm. The character needed something it she needed to be fleshed out to make us care about her Mm -hmm. like we needed to care about Marianne's character for this movie to have the impact they really wanted it to have I think and we just didn't like there were times when when she really started unraveling was the work party right and at that moment we didn't understand the movie was still holding its cards pretty close to the chest and the audience didn't understand that they were doing this to her. Mm -hmm. And she has that panic attack because he leaves her alone after she begged him not to leave her alone. And when he finally comes home, she flies off the handle, is completely unhinged, right? And we're told that she has a history of anxiety and panic attacks. Okay, But we've never been shown any of this up until this point. Like, from the perspective of the audience, it comes out of left field. Mm -hmm. And so... I felt empathy for Keanu's character there, not hers. Okay. I felt like she's being unreasonable here. There's no reason for her to have reacted this way. Right. Right, And so at that moment, it sets her up to be unlikable. It sets her up to be overreactive, to be mentally unstable, mm. to to be somebody who is... Not to be taken seriously because all of these things are just in her head. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And if they had fleshed out her character so that we believed her, Mm -hmm. it would have made Keanu Reeves's choice not to believe her much more impactful. Right. I think. And they didn't do that. And so she ended up being a throwaway character that didn't matter. Right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, because that whole ending, when he shows up to Milton, he is still covered in the blood of his wife who just committed suicide. Mm. He is not grieving her. He does not seem to care whatsoever. Once he starts playing Milton like he's going to follow along, he's got a smile on his face. There is no hint whatsoever that he is grieving his wife, that there is sorrow there. And they could have just done so much more. Like, she had no impact on his choice yeah and she should have
1: Mm. it it, is the point there that he has finally believed her what what would make her go to this extreme it's that there's more to john milton than uh, and i should have believed her when she talked about um him coming to her
0: i i think we want to believe that i think the movie does not give us a reason to
1: yeah that's fair that's fair So so the thing I think it could do, I'd be interested to see what spin you'd put on this, is why is she not the good person? Why is she not the church-going person? The person who sees these things because she is an agent of God? Not in, in terms of she's an angel or something, but she tries to make good moral choices. And she is not seduced by the – as much as she tries to be, you know, going out shopping, decorating the house and so on, this is not her life, this is not something that interests her. Why do we not have her trying to help at a local church, but actually the local churches themselves are corrupted through being in the city or being so close to the devil or something? Uh, And that allowing us to have that argument against, you know, these things you're doing are wrong. I don't think this firm is right. I don't think you should be working here. And him going, no, it's great. Look at what it's going to give us. It's going to give us his lifestyle. You're going to be able to help with the church so much more. Mm -hmm. You know, but it being blood money, it being dirty money, it being something he shouldn't take.
0: I think it would have been too cliched to do that because that would have been setting him up for making the choice between good and evil.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I don't think that's the choice that the movie is talking about like I don't think because the movie is very clear that the world is John Milton's oyster like we already live in a Mm. world that's been corrupted and tempted by the devil this is the devil's playground so there is no choice between good or evil here really it's just how how tempted can you be Mm. how can you make like you said can you continue to make a choice to not be tempted can you Mm. continue to choose a different path or whatever, but it's it's never it was never meant to be choose God or choose the devil. Right. Because in this world the devil's already won.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I think I am looking for something that is not in this film. Is in most mm-hmm. films of this type. Yes. Which is perhaps why I'm right, why are they not doing this story? This and, and I, I, I I like it as a story. I think there are films that do it incredibly well. So mm-hmm. But without that, you're you're absolutely right about the other thing. There's nothing to this character. She is a sexy lamp, in fact. Mm-hmm. She has no yes. bearing on the plot at all.
0: Mm-hmm. She's
1: not even a MacGuffin herself, particularly.
0: Yeah, she has no no plot line mm. at all. No, because even while she's she's recognizing that all of these terrible things are happening. It doesn't impact Kevin and Kevin's story at all. No. It, it doesn't change anything that he does. He, Although, okay, let me mm-hmm. backtrack for a minute. Because there is that moment at the end where Milton says, I gave you the choice. I tried to get you to go take care of your wife and you chose not to. So there is that, that mm-hmm. point of using her. I mean, yes, she's still being used as an object. Mm-hmm. She's she's not a character in her own right. But I think she was another example right. of Kevin giving in to his own pride
1: mm.
0: and or vanity. The movie mm. says it's vanity. Okay. And so maybe we needed something in that role. Mm. But I think... I think we should have been set up to care more about her Yeah. in order for that choice, for him to make that choice not to go home and take care of his wife, be more impactful.
1: And if she is seeing things, like the friend in the changing room where she sees the devil face on her and the the hands underneath the skin, Mm -hmm. why is she the one seeing this? Right. Like, they don't explain. And, And I think that's why I make the connection with if she was a churchgoer... So she could see the truth of, truth of things because she believed in God, where they have very clearly made it that Lomax that Kevin doesn't believe or doesn't buy into it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd I'd understand that, but why why her? Why is she different? And that is never addressed. It's, and
0: it's never answered.
1: Baffles me. Yeah, I mean, it also baffles me that it's Charlie's Theron. and they're trying to do this like, oh, she's just a you know, oh, what does she do? collect debt on cars something
0: she repossesses cars repossesses
1: cars and she's just you know potentially going to be a little housewife in um a small in was it gainesville yes yeah
0: gainesville florida
1: she's charlie's theron like she is not a a homely next door wife type (laughs) right
0: (laughs) i mean to be fair though i mean this was only her second movie
1: well fine but it, again it's a very 90s thing of these incredibly beautiful women oh she's very plain mm-hmm. if she did this with her hair she'd look better she's charlie's <laughs> the one <modern, you> know. <laughs> she is a world-renowned model probably even at this point she's getting modeling contracts so
0: right okay stop fair. with the <laughs> yeah yeah i just didn't like the way they wrote her character at all No, fully agree. i hated it
1: fully agree a real missed opportunity to do something there yes Mm. i i feel like the film has moments of good writing i feel like we could do a dissection of the seven deadly sins and how they are all portrayed in milton and they're all portrayed in lomax i mean i'd have to work to have sloth i think but uh, you know Mm. you can see greed you can see lust you can see envy you can see pride vanity like they're all in there I'm missing one. Right. I'm clearly missing one. I now cannot remember what it is. Don't ask me. Forgetfulness. <laughs> I don't know. Um, listeners, <laughs> put down your washing brush <laughs> whilst you're on your commutes so or whatever you're up to at the moment. Tell me what the seventh deadly sin was. It's been a long time since I saw Seven. Mm. No, but I feel like you could do a discussion of gluttony. Yes.
0: That's what it is. Gluttony. Gluttony. Thank you.
1: Um, thank you, Google. <laughs> yes, Wikipedia. The yeah. win. Um, and you could even show that again with the dressings and the uh, buying things and having money and power and all this. Fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the film deserves it. <laughs> I'm not sure the film has has earned my interest. As I mean, you know, when clearly we've got an hour of discussion already so far. Right. Um, but I. I think if the film wanted me to take it at a really serious level and really dig into it, it should have been more serious. But it's a little on rails.
0: Oh, yeah, this movie is crazy town bonkers. Hmm? Um, But I honestly, I think the movie took itself very seriously. I was trying to figure out, like, even from the beginning, there were things that I didn't understand what the movie wanted me to to feel. Right. Like the movie was sending a message that I did not understand mm. with its cinematography and some of the choices that it made. Things like lingering on his wedding band in the bathroom at the beginning. Things like when he first sees Christabella and like the world slows down and everything is in slow right. motion and like, he's got the tunnel vision. Like it's unclear in that moment what's happening, mm-hmm. especially since up until that moment, the relationship they've shown us with his wife is, like, sickeningly lovey-dovey, mm-hmm. right? And so there is no reason to expect that he would see a beautiful woman and immediately want to have an affair. Mm. So something else must be happening, but the movie doesn't tell us. No. You know, and then it, it lingers on Al Pacino's shoes and makes sure to show us that Kevin is looking at his shoes in this odd way. And I still don't understand what that scene was for. Okay. You know, there's lots of things like that mm. where the movie—it's clear they're trying to give you a clue or foreshadow something. It just doesn't make sense. I—I
1: I think I've missed that. Then, what was what were the shoes that Al Pacino was wearing?
0: I mean, they were just shoes. Were they just like I rewound it to see like what did he see there? I don't understand. It was when they were um, out on the infinity mm. pool on the terrace.
1: So is it just that he was getting closer to the edge? Perhaps is the.
0: I don't think so, because you couldn't see the edge in the shot of his shoes.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I, I don't understand it. It didn't make sense. Um, but it was clearly done very intentionally, mm. because you see Kevin look at his shoes with a look of concern, under, like confusion, maybe, and then mm-hmm. they show the shoes, and then nothing ever comes of it.
1: Right.
0: You know, the way they show off some of the art later... Hmm. um the way they filmed the um after marianne kills herself and he walks out on the street and there are no people there Mm. my instinct there was oh my god has he been dead the whole time did they (laughs) do this before the sixth sense did it right you know that's not what it was but that's because the movie it tried so hard to be thoughtful and artsy and intelligent and it just failed or i'm just not artsy enough to understand
1: it <laughs> i i do love that shot on is it 57th avenue whatever the street so is yeah, yeah. Uh, and the whole thing that they did film it with no people on it is very cool because it works mm-hmm. just as an aside you've reminded me watching the trailer that shot is in the trailer except you can see the shadow of the cameraman next to him Oh, no. And I, I want to go back and watch it. It's only just before we recorded that I watched the trailer. I want to go back and, w- and watch the film and see, like, I assume they've taken that out. Mm-hmm. But you can see the guy with the cam, like, following oh, wow. him. I awesome. didn't notice. Yeah.
0: I was enthralled by the yeah, – when I watch 90s trailers, I'm instantly ported back to the 90s. In a world
1: yeah, it's crazy. where blah, blah,
0: blah. You know, and I'm like, why don't they do that anymore? That was so cool.
1: A young Florida lawyer gets the job of a lifetime.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Whereas now it's just bomb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't get voiceovers and trailers anymore. No. It's just, we're going to show you five minutes of the film, all of the important bits so that <laughs> yeah, you don't even right? have to come see the movie. Yeah,
1: I quite liked a lot of the way it was shot. I thought it was interesting. And, and you're right. It did show us a lot of interesting details. I feel like perhaps the lingering bit on the ring is so that, we'll, because that's the shot we go back to at the very end. So mm-hmm. it's so we make that connection of like, that's why you had that shot. Cause this is where we're going to pick it up again. Um But I just don't feel like the film earned it. I don't feel that potentially it's just that the film is not good enough to have earned it. It just, I,
0: I think that's where we are on it. It's hmm. not, I mean, it's, it's interesting and it's good, but for the story it was trying to tell and the things that it, I feel like the movie wanted us to come out having experienced, it doesn't. There,
1: there's nothing there. There is no moral to this. And, right. and, and if there is, and, and like I said, I've, I think I can extract one about making choices because the devil's always tempting you, this kind of thing, mm-hmm. but that's not in this film. That is me thinking through with all my you know theological considerations in my history. Um and how you deal with this in film and stuff. So right. whether it's in this film or not, I don't think it is. And I don't think the film knows what its moral or story is. I think it is just a story about the devil and his children wanting them to have sex. <laughs> Hi, kids. I mean, it could now be phone. The Devil
0: Always Wins. Yeah? That, that could be it, but yeah. it's still unclear. Mm. Because that, the ending is so... So ambiguous because we we see him make the right choice and then we see him tempted again. Yep. And you know, you we get the reveal that oh, that's Milton still tempting him, and so he's trying again. Mm. But is he is he trying again because he failed, or is he trying again because he knows he's going to continue to be tempted? He was already tempted. Yeah. And he went down this whole path. Mm. And so okay, we're just going to do it again.
1: I I think so and yeah the film probably wants you to take something from it and and is the point the film doesn't want to tell you what you should take from it it wants you to think Mm -hmm. about it but the film's not good enough to make me want to and again clearly we spent an hour thinking about this but
0: right right yeah
1: that's because we're doing Keanu Reeves month I think I, (laughs) I had seen this film once and I had never returned to it you are not going to return to this
0: Probably not. I, I, I don't. See I this mean, if going I saw on, it noticed. on TV, like if I was flipping channels mm. and I saw it, I might leave it on if there's nothing else on. But I probably go to Food Network. Let's be honest. Um, but it's not something I'm going to seek out again. Yeah. I mean, the performances were enjoyable. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit in a minute when we do get to favorite. I, we always call it favorites, but you know, the good stuff. <laughs> but overall, I think the movie. It had potential, and it did not meet that potential. Agreed.
1: Agreed. And, and yeah, performances is a really good way to kick off that discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, the one, really good performance. Keanu, as, as good as Keanu ever is.
0: Except for the accent.
1: I've got to do the law. I'm a liar.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. So to start with, one of my thoughts was, okay, why does everybody have this – Really, really (laughs) deep, drawn out southern accent, but Keanu sounds like Keanu, right?
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: then I realized a few minutes later, oh, oh, honey, you're trying to do a southern accent, it just doesn't work. Every dog gets his day.
1: I think it really came across that all the southern stuff was filmed last, all the stuff Mm -hmm. in Florida, and that the New York Mm -hmm. stuff was filmed first because the bit where he goes to see what's his name, thingy Linden. Hang on a sec. Moyes? Yeah.
0: Is that who you're talking about?
1: who's The the goat guy? Yeah, who's the actor playing Moyes? Delroy Lindo. So, yeah, Moyes, he goes to see him. He's got ungelled hair, a bit of a floppy fringe. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is suddenly a bit of a different look and quite a drawl. And it feels Mm -hmm. like, and this might be because I was kind of watching for it, knowing that the Florida stuff came last. So what came first? I think that's where they started. With those mm, okay. scenes, and then got yeah. into more of the New York stuff as well. But yeah, it comes and goes and at times it comes really strongly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Keanu Reeves, I he doesn't have an accent normally. Like Keanu Reeves mm. has a Keanu accent. Like his voice is very distinctive. His cadence, the way that he he speaks, is it's unique to him. Yeah. And when he tries to do something differently. It just feels fake hmm. because you get Keanu with this other stuff tacked on, if that makes sense, and and so it keeps fading back and forth, and right. it just doesn't sound right coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, my I was just like, oh honey, yeah, don't do that.
1: Because I mean, Keanu, I think grew up in many different locations. I think he has an, an unusual heritage anyway because his parents were from different places. I think he was born born in Lebanon. His father's mm-hmm. from Hawaii. But he also has Chinese, Hawaiian, English, Irish, and Portuguese descent.
0: And he identifies as Canadian. Identifies as
1: current Canadian because he grew up in Canada, Toronto. Uh, uh, and so I think that's why he himself doesn't particularly have an accent, because it's it would be brought from all the different places he's lived. Mm-hmm. And he's yep. an actor, so... You know, actors drop their accents except he then doesn't put on an accent very well and he is renowned for not putting on an accent very well
0: mm-hmm. yeah i read some things people were talking about him trying to do a british accent yeah like much ado much and ado, yeah something else mm. I, I don't know but
1: so but he also has other than that he is Keanu. his performance
0: yeah. was good yeah,
1: yeah and, and and yeah that, the point i was coming to was i quite like him as Charlie the Certainly, when they're happy together, but even when they're arguing, I felt there was good chemistry there. I felt they really worked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now it might just be a—they're two beautiful people, so I think it works. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I—I I, I bought them as a couple. I thought it was very nice. I thought, yeah, they could have done more about them talking and what his expectations were of her in New York and her explaining to him that she's utterly bored. But it was—it was a good relationship. It was well done.
0: Yeah. I actually, I felt like I had seen them do something together and something else. And I don't think they've done anything else together. Mm. I could be wrong. No, no, no. They did Sweet November together. Ah. Um, Maybe that's what it was. But I remember thinking, wow, this feels natural to me. Mm. It felt not unexpected. So I agree with you. There was chemistry there.
1: What other performances did you want to comment on there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to preload it, but...
0: <laughs> okay, so I, I feel like we're going to have to put some some clips of this in here just because, oh my God, Al Pacino's entire monologue at the end. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel. He sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but
1: don't taste. Taste. Don't swallow.
0: (laughs) It's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's just, I mean, it's wacky. The words (laughs) don't make any sense, like (laughs) what he's saying. But it's just so good. You can tell he had so much fun filming that like right at the at the reveal when um kevin is trying to get him to say who he is and and he's like oh i've got many names and then he finally you know they say satan and they say the devil and Mm. it's just like all the cards are out on the table now and he just starts railing about who god is or what god isn't um and now i don't want to try to say the line since you have (laughs) stricken through it on on my uh outline and like, written the accent in there.
1: <laughs> That's how he says it. What does he say, Mandy? Tell us.
0: <laughs> I can't do it now. I'm just going to put the clip in of Al Pacino screaming that God is an absentee landlord. Absentee landlord? He's an absentee landlord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's utterly delightful to watch. I'm- it is. I mean, it's it's bonkers. It's mm. crazy town. But you can just see on his face he enjoyed doing that performance, and he does it so, so well. Yeah. And I'm reminded of uh, – let me find it – an article that I read. Um, it was in uh, i 9 on Gizmodo. Mm-hmm. They were talking about this movie. It's called Did You Forget How Insane the Devil's Advocate right, Was? Right, okay. And in this, um, they talk about how um, – The big New York City law firm wants Kevin to come work with them. It says first-class tickets are presented and away they go to meet devil Al Pacino. This is not a spoiler because the movie stars Al Pacino and it's called The Devil's Advocate. You don't cast Pacino in a devil movie and not make him the devil. (laughs) That is fact. That's just science. (laughs) (laughs) So I read that and I was like, okay, Yeah. Absolutely. And he, I think it's interesting that he turned down versions of this role for being too cliched. And then this is the one that he does. Mm. But he embodies it like heart, mind, and soul. Yeah. And it's it's delightful to watch. I will give him that. And that is a clip. Like, I would probably watch that clip over again. Yeah. Just because it's fun. Until it, like, you know, goes off the rails and he wants <laughs> him to have sex with a sister and all that stuff. Like, they lost me again there. But, uh, yeah, you know God's rules being opposite. You know, look but don't touch, touch but don't taste, taste but don't swallow. Yeah. It's the way he delivers it is just fantastic.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's some of what we saw in Heat, mm-hmm. the side of that character. But you're right, being allowed to go utterly crazy with it and just mm-hmm. the the most lascivious. Some of the looks he gives Keanu are quite like the
0: tongue thing that he does right like and he he keeps that up through the whole movie yeah and it it makes him appear creepy but you don't quite know why Mm. you know it's good stuff yeah good stuff
1: and and he is the right person to play that role we've Mm -hmm. talked on the other al pacino films about al pacino being cast because al pacino does the shouty al pacino thing i mean Mm -hmm. al pacino is a great actor but he does play al pacino more often than not and in this...
0: He, he's allowed to, I think. Yeah,
1: he shouts most of the time. And this is the time it works. Yeah. It is the right choice in this film.
0: Yeah. There was the a, an, a scene earlier... <laughs> there was a scene earlier when when he's talking to Kevin about how to really be successful and what the secret to that success is, mm-hmm. and it's they never see me coming. Mm-hmm. And that, that Kevin needs to act in a way that they never see him coming. Mm. And I didn't really think much of that line at the time. Like, I knew it was kind of foreshadowing something. It was an implication of something. And then you get to the big reveal at the end, and you realize the devil saying they never see me coming is kind of brilliant.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and just the way that it it's true. People... You don't always realize you're being tempted until you've already given in to that temptation. You don't see it until after the fact. Yeah. And that's exactly the embodiment that they took in this movie. And I thought that was good. It was clever.
1: Yeah. Cause it, I, I mean, the, the story of the devil and the, you know, that his most famous part in all of it is tempting Eve to eat the apple. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the sort of crux they've taken for this is it's not he told her to eat the apple. It's. God, that apples taste looks tasty, isn't it? Or right. that'd be nice. Yeah. And then she chooses to eat it. Is, is kind mm-hmm. of the point of it. And and so they've taken that philosophy and turned it up to He does this all the time. He just makes suggestions at people. He just and then she cuts mm-hmm. her hair, or he goes and defends this case. And and that whole piece you were saying earlier, where he says, you know, go and look after your wife is the the thing of the devil lying with the truth because He's saying, go and look at your wife, knowing how prideful and vain Kevin is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that he is Kevin's boss that Kevin wants to impress. So he knows by saying that to him, he's, what he's actually saying is goading him to say, are you weak enough to care about that woman or do you care more about earning my respect by winning this case?
0: Yeah. I, I feel like the movie was pretty skilled at manipulating the audience as well. Mm because in particularly in that moment i sided with kevin right because of his reasoning his logic was i can take i can finish this now finish it quickly and then take care of her mm-hmm. or i can go take care of her now and then i'm going to hate her for it right and i don't want to do that yeah. i want to not resent my wife mm. and it it sounds like a good choice a- it sounds like a reasonable thing to think you know and and so i was with him there and then at the end, you realize all of these little choices that seem perfectly reasonable and logical, they add up.
1: Yep. Yep. Good intentions and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, because I do yeah. like that they return to that as an argument to him, say, remember you said that thing? Isn't mm-hmm. that pretty terrible and show you how, how much of a bad person you are? And you're like, yeah, actually. Yeah. He said it in a reasoned way, but actually, yeah, that's pretty terrible. Yeah. You know, he shouldn't resent her. He should want to care for her and not care what it means. Right. It
0: should be her health is more important than his winning a case. And if if he loses the case and doesn't, you know, doesn't get to do it, so be it. Mm. She's more important. That was the right answer. But in that moment, it just felt reasonable. Right. It's insane.
1: I, I do like that when he is doing these cases, So that one at the beginning that's very uncomfortable, the case with Moyers and then the case with Cullen, he wins all of them. And he wins mm-hmm. all of them through his argument and his logic and his ability to weave possibly in truths and, and things that aren't right, but to sway a jury. And actually, mm-hmm. if all you're looking for is the win, not necessarily the moral, the law and justice has been carried out here. Mm-hmm. He plays that game very, very well and very absolutely well. Right. He's
0: very good at what he does to
1: the extent I wish they hadn't done the black magic with Moyes and, and making the other guy cough and be unable to speak. well it was unnecessary exactly because he
0: he won without the other guy ever having to speak yeah i think they did it to insert the mystical yeah that early in the movie Mm -hmm. to let the audience know hey there are forces in this world
1: yeah I, i i wish they'd set it up of him being like you know as soon as it's necessary i can stop him from talking and him having, like, mm. a vial he crushes or something.
0: Right. And him
1: being ready to. Or him seeing he's winning and taking the curse off and being like, oh, I don't need to. Oh, okay. This guy's pretty good.
0: Right. But nothing actually came of it because no. they fade out. We don't know what happened to that guy. Did he die? Did he recover because they won the case? Like, we don't know. It it didn't matter.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. And and the defense of Cullen, The he's not a very nice person. I don't like him and mm-hmm. you're not going to like him. But that's, yeah, that's not, brilliant. that's not what's important here. And it's like, Oh, wow. Oh, this is a defense. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> mm. All right. What did you find enjoyable?
1: I, I think lovely about this movie. The thing I really want to talk about as being good, as being done exceptionally here is the CG, the computer graphics in the film. Okay. Cause we're obviously at a point. So we're, what, 97? You're getting into mm-hmm. the late nineties. So we've had Jurassic Park, but we've had. Mm. Films that don't necessarily hold up. I'm now struggling to think of any, but you know there was a period where uh, computer graphics were not done as well, right? Um, there are a lot of CG shots in this, a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. the use of graphics, some of which don't, you know, not quite so good. But making people's faces turn into demons and the shot of the hands moving under the woman's skin—those um, were wonderful, really good. The transformations at the end, really good. The um just effects on the end sequence in general the whole end sequence are very good the that infinity pool apparently the water is cg
0: yes i did not notice that like i was shocked when i read that that i thought was actually just an infinity pool like the backdrop of those scenes Mm -hmm. was terrible you could tell they were not standing on a skyscraper in new york right they were standing on a in front of a green screen with new york superimposed behind them and we saw that several times and those shots were obvious to me and i hated them
1: i see i thought that green screen backdrop effect was good i think the one on the terrace where he's talking to connie nielsen is very bad but in general they were the same to
0: me the 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 use
1: of cg for smaller elements Mm -hmm. you know when we don't have to do cg to put Aliens and dinosaurs and things in this, in the shot. We don't have to do it because we have huge computer generated things. Actually, we can use right. it for small touches to augment a statue or mm-hmm. water or someone's face. And it yes. works. I, 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 think this was, this for me shows a bit of a, um, <sighs> landshed. That's not right. Watershed. <laughs> a watershed moment of, Actually, we've got this technology, yet let's use it just to augment what we see rather than mm-hmm. huge demonstrations of it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. The, the demon faces were wonderful. Mm, the statue was wonderful. Mm, what little we got to see in yeah. the statue.
1: And, and that is the sort of thing that leads us through to now, you know, the Avengers films where they hold knives and weapons and things that don't exist. They, they, the, in, in Endgame, you know, those white, time travel uniforms they wear Mm -hmm. those never existed those are pure cg just put on the actors as they do their thing Mm. and that's just a small moment of cg adding something to make it look a bit different the actors don't care what you know is put on them right but it doesn't have to be and it's you know thanos it's a a a wholly separate character that we've created in in computer generated Mm -hmm. element it's just a small touch to make something stand out and be cool yeah i like it
0: Speaking of the statue, mm-hmm. the moving mm. statue. So there are a couple of things I just want to mention because I feel like if we don't there'll be a couple of people okay. <laughs> who say something about it. Hi Garrett. Um so the the statue there was a lawsuit about the use of that statue mm. in his office. And that's why you don't actually see the statue until the end.
1: Um, and most of the movie
0: yeah. it's been altered to look like this weird portal thing. Mm. Which I didn't realize that's what had happened. I remember thinking, wow, that's really weird. Like, I don't understand what I'm looking at here. And then at the end, it morphs into this statue that's moving. Mm. And I was like, I wonder why they did that. Mm. And then it turns out because they had to digitally remove it because of the lawsuit. Yeah. And then the um, it cost $2 million and took like three months to film all of the people who they put into that statue, which feels excessive. Mm. But they did it really well because it looked really good. Yeah,
1: I mean, is that three months of filming them every day and doing the over well, that I their don't effects know. thing? That's the yeah. Hmm.
0: It just said three months, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a long time. So that's all. I just wanted to make sure we mentioned the statue. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the statue really added anything to the movie itself. But
1: I, I like it coming at the end in the way it does as a oh wow, this is quite a thing. Yeah, <laughs> like. You know, there was it adds to stuff.
0: the mm. yes. It adds to the reveal. Yeah,
1: and it was quite like it, it, they use the statue to emphasize his points of getting anything you want and any person you want. And mm-hmm.
0: hmm. all right, well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about The Devil's Advocate?
1: I don't think so. I think we've talked a lot. Like, I'm surprised at how much discussion came out of this film. Yeah, given me too. neither of us were particularly keen on it. I, 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 I'm hope, hoping you're sort of interested in it as the progression of Keanu's career. Yes. Because that was the reason it went on the list. Yeah. yeah. Next, we've got Constantine. And I, I want to do a little bit of setup to find out what you know about Constantine and what you're expecting from it. And we can do this as a small thing, because obviously we've run quite long, so we can do more of it next right. time. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, all I know about Constantine really comes from Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I know that, that he had his own TV show, mm-hmm. the character Constantine. There was a TV show in, in the DC world. Um, he Is he like some private investigator for demons or something? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I know it's supernatural. That's all I got.
1: Okay. You see, I put the question in there because I was expecting us to need to pad it a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and we've been recording for an hour and a half, so... <laughs> okay so that's good to cover it and we can go into it more next time of what your expectations were for it i think okay Mm. well yeah Mm.
0: i like that you're not giving me anything here on if i'm right or if i'm wrong you're you're just gonna make me watch the movie i'm keeping
1: my powder dry
0: all right (laughs) If you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at EloquentGushing. And don't forget, if you talk about our shows to someone on social media, use the hashtag and let us know so you will be entered into our giveaway. And you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com.
1: We are 100% funded by our lovely listeners on Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive content, it helps to support the network, it helps us to develop new shows, um, and there might be exciting new things coming to Patreon very soon. To find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash eloquent gushing.
0: And we'll be back next week with another episode where we're going to talk about Constantine. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay.
1: And I don't lose. I win. I win. I'm a lawyer. That's my job. That's what I do.
0: I love this so much.